Hello everybody, welcome back to Game Over Ottawa Mod here today for a bit of a solo stream as we are celebrating the Sens home opener and it was a pretty awesome game so I'm excited to talk about this one here today and uh, if you've seen this show before you know what a Sens win means at the beginning, that means this. The Philadelphia Fly Philadelphia Flyers have been sensed. Yes, we still have the little jingle. I love getting to play that uh, every time we win. So hopefully there are plenty more of those to come this season. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. I'd say that it wasn't a perfect game tonight, but it was. Uh, it was still pretty damn good. Like a solid sixty-minute effort. I would say at least. For most of it. I, I would say there was a few hiccups, but but we're going to get into that, you know? Uh, <laughs> Adam and Charlie in the chat. Sensed, of course. Uh, nice to see you all in the chat. Hockey from home as well. Yeah, if uh, since I am solo today, if anyone in the chat has anything to chime in throughout the show, that would be awesome. I'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, and we will still try to do the sort of Q&A segment towards the end of the show. That's kind of the new format we're testing out a little bit. So I will see how that goes if uh, if anyone has any questions for me tonight in the chat. But from there, I think I'm going to get into a bit of game analysis right away. Um, it was interesting taking notes in that first period there because it was quite hectic, quite fast paced, and I almost <laughs> found it too fast paced to uh, to be taking notes like it was almost too quick for me, but first thing right away that I found interesting was that Branstrom and Hamannick uh, got the opening shift on defense. After they had sort of a uh, questionable game against Carolina, not very much ice time, I believe it was 10 minutes for Branstrom. So DJ shown a, lit a little bit of trust in that pairing here tonight, either that or trying to showcase Eric Branstrom a little bit, maybe for a trade. Who knows? But uh, they got a little bit more ice ice time here tonight. Decent performance from that pairing, I would say. They were both uh, they were both even. I'm trying to remember if either of them took any penalties because there was there was so many penalties in this game, and oh my god! Now on the NHL box score as well, I have to like filter the penalties by period. I can't even see them all on the screen at once. But there were so many penalties in this game uh, <laughs> that they probably wouldn't all fit on my screen at once anyway but uh pretty solid performance from that pairing i thought tonight which was interesting as i said because they didn't get too much ice time against carolina i guess it's a, it's against a softer opponent here today of course so a little bit easier from them but i liked dj uh throwing them out there right at the beginning and uh giving them a bit of confidence right off the bat and uh i was also impressed with ridley greg tonight throughout pretty much the whole game but also in the first period specifically, he was throwing some big hits in that shift leading up to the first Chikrin goal. He had two huge hits, and the second one kind of created the turnover to uh, to McEwen, who picked it up, made a great pass to Chikrin. I was glad to see McEwen get that assist too. Limited ice time for him tonight too. It was like six minutes or seven minutes or something, 6.45. Uh, but nice to see him get on the board with a point pretty quickly there. Not a guy that you expect to get a lot of points from, but uh, <laughs> it's a good start for him, especially because he's a guy who didn't exactly have the best preseason. And a lot of people uh, were kind of wondering why he got a three-year contract so quickly. But uh, 
decent tonight. He sets up Chikrin. That was an absolutely beautiful shot. We know that this guy can shoot the puck, just absolutely rip it, and that was an awesome shot. Got the crowd going right away. I think that was the first shot on goal that went in. So, awesome, awesome to get get the crowd into it immediately. Um, from there, you know, I was talking about the Branstrom and Hamannick pairing. I did note that Branstrom had a little bit of a rough turnover uh, after that assist. Uh, Forsberg had to bail him out with a good save, which was one of the few saves that Forsberg actually had to make in the first two periods. He only had like eight or nine shots in the first two periods, which was which was ridiculous. So that's an interesting thing because I feel like there was some bad turnovers overall from the defense tonight. Kind of a lot of throwing it up the wall and it was getting picked off or or trying to find the, uh, the center. And uh, the Flyers were just anticipating that. They were pretty aggressive with their pinches and picking off our breakout passes, but it didn't it didn't turn out in to be that many shots on goal so i feel like in the end it's it's hard to criticize the defense in a game like that when they did for the most part limit things like the flyers weren't able to get too much going on the cycle the only chances they had were off of those turnovers so i, I guess that's the way they have to play as a lesser skilled team tortorella likes to coach his teams uh excuse me goddamn tortorella likes to coach his teams uh extremely like high octane high pressure and that, uh, they're always uh, trying to force turnovers, so you can kind of expect that from the Flyers here too today. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chabot had a great back check to break up, uh, I think it was uh, a breakaway chance or two-on-one or something, so that was nice to see from him, especially because uh, some people were questioning him after that first game. I feel like anytime Chabot has a subpar game, there's always people jumping down his, uh, his throat, which sucks, but uh, I thought he was pretty good tonight as well. And then, after that, we got the first power play goal of the game, and I was I was going to come into this show talking about how the power play was going to be a huge key tonight, and now saying it, it feels kind of obvious since we scored, what was it, three power play goals in the end? I think we were like, th yeah, three for five in the end. Now, it just feels like I'm stating the obvious, but I before the game, I did have some thoughts on this because... Uh, I watched the Flyers' previous game, which was against Columbus. Columbus obviously expected to be a much worse team than Ottawa, but the key in that game, why the Flyers won, is because Columbus's power play totally sucked. They were just absolutely horrible, which is typical for them. It's uh, it's painful to watch them on the power play. So I, after I saw that, and, and that game, it was 2-1 for the Flyers until the final couple minutes, they got two empty nets. So the Flyers were only able to muster up two goals in that game, like they did here tonight. But because Columbus couldn't capitalize on their power play chances, it sunk them. And so I knew going into, into tonight that the power play was going to be a huge key to this game, uh, especially because it was kind of disappointing in the season opener against Carolina. We, we had some power plays in that game where it just felt like we couldn't get set up. However, obviously, Carolina is a much better uh, a much better defensive team, and I don't really know uh, how good the Flyers were at penalty killing last year, but I would assume that the Hurricanes were better. So, luckily, the Sens were able to get the power play firing on all cylinders tonight. It was just awesome, and, uh, and it happened right away with another snipe from Chikrin. Just, I think that was on the first power play of the game. It was just... Uh, an absolute ripper again. I, I I can't believe how good of a shot Chikrin has. Usually, we don't see this from too many defensemen. Just being able to 
rip it like that all the time. Like, he is such... It feels like he's a goal threat anytime he gets it from the point. And that's something... That's kind of an element this team hasn't really had on the back end in recent years. Because Sanderson did have the absolute snipe later in the game, obviously. But, like, last year he was, what, three goals or four goals? Uh, he doesn't have, like... A completely lethal shot like Chikrin does and Shabbat as well he he can shoot it but he doesn't uh, get too many power play goals normally so I'm really liking Chikrin on the power play being able to absolutely just rip it I, I would kind of be interested to see if maybe he gets moved up onto the first power play unit at some point although the second unit was really clicking here tonight uh, so <laughs> maybe they should just keep it as it is for now um and it was also awesome uh, when Chikrin got that second goal because he it was a, it was a bit of a badass hockey player moment because he was kind of hit from behind into the boards. He smashed his face on the glass and they showed a close-up of him uh, on the bench. He had like a cut under his visor, I think, from hitting the glass. But bleeding isn't going to stop him. He, he goes out there and just absolutely rips one past Carter Hart anyway. So that, that was a... That was a moment that I enjoyed, just uh, kind of the the Neanderthal in me, just seeing like, oh, he, he's bleeding, but he's all good. Like, he, he's getting beat up out there, but he, he was still a beast and uh, managed to have a huge impact on this game. He was unfazed uh, by that that hit. Um, also want to note on that goal, Vladimir Tarasenko with the awesome assist. He was a guy who was really quiet in the, in the game against Carolina, so I was glad to see that... Um, that he was able to get on the board with a couple of assists here today, especially on that Shikrin power play goal. It was a really great great play from him because he is a shooting threat. So he was able to walk in, take a little bit of that space, kind of make everyone think that he was going to shoot. And it totally changed the angle to pass over to Chikrin. And Chikrin was just able to rip it from there. So I really liked that. That was kind of a high IQ offensive play from, uh, from Vladdy on that one. I was very happy with that. <laughs> And uh, I feel like I'm going to be calling Tarasenko Vladdy all season, which feels a little bit silly because uh, because Vladdy in Canada is usually just uh, Vladimir Guerrero on the Blue Jays. But uh, Tarasenko is my Vladdy. All right. I'm not I'm not as much of a ba baseball person. So he is <laughs> he is Vladdy to me. Um, and then from there, I had noted that the first five goals of the season we only had one from the first line so far, which was kind of promising to see because even though you would like to see more than that from the first line in terms of that ratio, the depth scoring was one of the biggest problems last season. So I was really happy that we we're actually seeing those guys chip in right away this season and hopefully they can keep it up throughout because uh, first line can't do it all. <laughs> and they And they kind of had a slow start in that first game. It was really just that that one goal from Stutzla in the first game that should have been too many men <laughs> was was their only contribution in the first game. And then it was getting late in this game before we actually did get a contribution from the first line. Uh, five seconds left in the second period before, before Brady scored. So up until that point, we had still scored five goals in the first, uh, the first four periods of the season. And the depth was showing up because, you know, last game goals from... Joseph and Kelly, we love that. Zub had an assist as well. And then Chikrin absolutely sniping it. Second power play unit uh, creating a goal, as I said. So I think that those are some promising signs. That's something that we really got to look forward to this season, especially, uh, you know, with the Debrinket experiment not working out. It's, uh, I think, 
they've kind of angled more to trying to build the depth up on this team, especially like the wingers, right? In the top nine, Batherson and Kubalik were technically the third line tonight. I'm not exactly sure how the, the time on ice actually shook out. Uh, they might have they might have had more, yeah, they had more ice time than than Tarasenko. Actually, Tarasenko was only 11 minutes. I was surprised by that. I thought he was going to have a little bit more. That's actually less ice time uh, than the first game. <laughs> That's actually shocking me here, just uh, looking at the box score. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the second and third lines are a mix right now. It's like, because I see Tarasenko had less ice time than Kubelik, but he was on the line with Joseph, who had three minutes more than him, I guess because of the penalty kill. Joseph's out there all the time for that. And then Batherson with that power play ice time obviously had the most of them. But it seems like the second and third lines are kind of interchangeable right now, which is sort of a good thing, especially because we don't have Norris or Pinto playing. So if if there is somehow a way, and maybe I'll get into this a little bit later, but if there's somehow a way to get Norris and Pinto in there uh, under the cap and we and we can retain some of this winger depth, Probably not all of it because Joseph will probably have to go. Um, I, I am really liking the outlook of this top nine forward group so far. Um, <laughs> don't know exactly how it will go though with the with the cap space issues, but it could be something good. And I guess I guess I should mention Joseph right now too, just because I brought that up. Um, he was absolutely flying tonight, and he had two great chances at the end of the first period. I was really impressed with him once again. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see this guy traded. I know uh, later at the second intermission, Bruce Karyach was basically still saying that uh, Joseph is the most likely guy to be traded, which which sucks. I'm like I'm like struggling with this. Like I really I really love watching this guy play when he's on. He's such a speedster. Love seeing him out there on the penalty kill. He's a great asset for that. And obviously, we all want to see more offense in his game. Um, which he's done a pretty good job of in the first two games and in preseason so far. Uh, so I guess raising his trade value for one thing for for Matthew Joseph. Um, who knows how that's going to go. But but anyway, from there, Stutzel got tripped near the end of the first period and it kind of pissed me off because it was a, definitely a, legit, a legitimate trip, but I feel like it was the type of play where he's sort of getting a reputation as a diver now, uh, whether or not you believe that he is doing it on purpose or anything like that. And I feel like the refs just ignored that one because they felt like he was diving, even though it definitely was a legitimate trip with the stick and the skates. Uh, so that pissed me off a little bit that that wasn't called. And then especially because two minutes later, I think Stutzel was probably a little bit angry about it too because he took that cross-checking call at the end of the of the first period, which I'll have to check, but okay, I guess that was after the Flyers 5-on-3 goal, so it didn't lead to that. I was trying to remember, but undisciplined penalty there from, from Timmy, which we don't like to see. Oh yeah, and that reminds me as well, Giroux had the absolutely ridiculous penalty of uh, holding the stick uh, and I don't mean ridiculous in that it was a bad call. It was a completely legitimate call, but it's very funny that it was holding the stick, but it was also throwing the stick because he yeeted that sucker into the bench. I don't know what, what the hell he was thinking on that one at first uh, when the play stopped and they said Giroux holding the stick. I was like, really? I didn't notice that. It's kind of tough to notice a penalty like that on the TV broadcast. But then they cut to the replay and he literally just sent it flying into the Sens bench too. So uh, the Flyers player wasn't going to get that stick back. Uh, I don't know what the hell Drew was thinking on that one. But uh, luckily he redeemed himself later in the game with a couple of assists. But that was a, a very sketchy play there. 
and uh, I feel like I'm getting screwed over by the NHL box score a little bit, the way they've redesigned this. I'm trying to see. I think that was the 5-on-3 penalty, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah, it was, because it was right after Drake Batherson hooking Cam York. So, that was a tough one. That's uh, <laughs> a very weird penalty. I don't know why the hell Giroux did that. It was, a, I guess, a bit of a brain fart. Hopefully, you would like to... Um, Hopefully you would like to see uh, better discipline from him in the future. It's something that this team really needs to work on because, what was it, six six penalties tonight against a better team, especially like Tampa Bay tomorrow. Uh, you're not going to have to, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, or sorry, you're going to have to be way more disciplined than that because the Flyers, they get that 5-1-3 goal, but uh, Tampa is going to absolutely burn you on the power play uh, if you play like that tomorrow. So I, I would say that's the main thing. Uh, that the Sens need to clean up from this performance here today is the penalties, really. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had written down in the words of Michael Anlauer, no more stupid penalties uh, at the first intermission there is what he said. So totally agreed with that. Uh, the the Sens' new owner uh, definitely making himself acquainted with the fans really quickly. I think people are, are growing to like him very fast. Uh, liking those TV appearances as well. It's it's funny actually wanting to uh, wanting to hear your owner speak wanting to see him in interviews compared to uh, the past where we didn't exactly, uh, it was a bit of the opposite, you know? Um, but then from there into the second period, I felt like, uh, like I was saying about the second and third lines again, I thought they were great tonight. Just a couple of dominant shifts in, in a row from each of them. Very good cycle play. I thought they were, they were hard on pucks in the offensive zone and uh, winning a lot of board battles. So I was really impressed with them once again. But the thing is that was scaring me in the second period was we had a lot of missed chances. I noticed uh, there was like three in a row, like three shifts in a row where Tarasenko was wide open in front. He totally whiffed on it. It went flying into the corner. That one was pretty ugly. And then Giroux had a great play where he cut in one-on-one -on, -one on the defenseman. Uh, but Carter Hart made a great save. Kubelik as well had the mini two-on-one setup with Batherson. That one... I'll call it a mischance, but it was a great defensive play from uh, whoever the Flyers defenseman was. He got just enough on Kubelik's stick to uh, to break up that play. So lots of pressure from the Sens, which you love to see. It's uh, Sometimes I felt like last year we didn't get too much constant pressure at 5-on-5, five five, unless it was on the power play, really. That was really the only time that we were able to do that. So it's uh it's some encouraging signs but again it, it reminded me of last year a little bit how we would have these stretches uh kind of especially early in games i would notice early in games and early in the season we would have a lot of uh first periods sort of where we would outshoot the opponent like crazy and only come away with like a one goal advantage or like a tie game so it was looking like it would be a little bit of that again here today especially when cam york scored that uh, second goal for the Flyers, made it 3-2. I was really worried that it was going to be a repeat of that uh, Flyers game last year where they had like 11 shots and it was still, it was 5-4. Luckily, uh, <laughs> Forsberg was able to keep the Sens in it, unlike uh, a certain other former Sens goalie in that game, uh, who shall not be named. Um, but from there, yeah, we had the, before that Cam York goal, we had the uh, amazing Sanderson snipe on the power play. I'd love to see that. He was just awesome tonight. He ended up with a minus one, which is surprising, but power play goal doesn't count as a plus, obviously. And he was awesome on the penalty kill as well, especially on that five on three, I think it was, or 
I think it was on the 5-on-3, and <laughs> later there was a 4-on-3 as well. He had some great plays where he just totally single-handedly uh, broke up the cycle and got the puck down the ice. So he, he was probably, other than Chikrin with the two goals, Sanderson was, was the other MVP on the back end here today. Um, after that York goal, though, absolutely horrible shift. I think uh, it was the Kachuk line in the defensive zone. It, it was looking ugly there. I was honestly expecting the Flyers to just tie it right away. Um, we had a few plays on that shift where we were just like tossing the puck up the ice and not really making a proper pass or uh, really using a proper breakout structure. And the Flyers picked it off like three times in a row. That really, uh, that really scared me. But luckily we were able to come away unscathed. I don't even actually remember if the Flyers did get a shot on goal during that. I think they missed a few times. So lucky there. And then five seconds left in the second period. Brady with that awesome snipe and Giroux with the amazing takeaway to set him up. Finally, these guys get going. Like I said earlier, it was a, I wasn't too impressed with them, the first line in the uh, first game against Carolina, but we knew that they have the skill and that would be, they would be able to get things going uh, at some point here because they really are going to lead this team as we go. So from there, I guess uh, I did mention Bruce Karyach talking a little bit in the second intermission about Joseph is maybe still the guy to be traded, but he also had some other details. He was saying that the Flyers wanted Ridley Gregg along with Matthew Joseph to basically to take Joseph's contract. That they also wanted Ridley Gregg attached to, which uh, thank God Pierre Dorian said no to that. I think everyone agrees that that would have been totally brutal. Um, Ridley Gregg is a guy that we need, especially missing uh, Norris and Pinto right now. If you made that trade, you'd be able to bring Pinto back in, but we still need Greg for depth, especially with the question mark of Norris's health. Um, if he can't play like most of the season, if he's constantly in and out of the lineup and still dealing with those shoulder issues, we're going to need Greg around. And he was pretty good tonight. I, I liked his game. Solid two-way game here tonight. So definitely hoping that if we have to move Joseph with a sweetener, hoping that it's going to be someone else. Uh, I don't think Dorian would would give up Greg. It it wouldn't make any sense. the The only tough thing is though, like, I was kind of thinking that maybe you could move Branstrom and Joseph together, and then you know call up Clevin for the third pairing. But the thing is, that's like almost five million dollars in salary. The thing is, if you attach a draft pick or Greg along with Joseph, it's not really like Greg is a very cheap salary, so it doesn't add too much in terms of taking on money. And then obviously a draft pick is nothing. So it's it sucks because we want to clear that cap room. And I feel like just the prices are way too high right now. Like Gary Yacht was also talking about maybe it's still going to be a first round pick as the asking price, which also makes sense for them asking for Greg, who's a former first rounder. But I just I just can't see myself being happy with a trade of, of giving up a first rounder uh, just to clear cap space at this point in the season. So I don't know. I'm scared how that's going to turn out. And... In terms, the last thing in terms of clearing salary uh, that was mentioned at the second intermission was uh, Gary Ocho also had the opinion that Eric Brandstrom would not be claimed on waivers if the Sens decided to waive him, which I think most people will take offense to that statement because we love Branny. But now that I think about it, it's like, who is really going to want to add a $2 million salary on waivers? Um, but the only thing about that is Again, if you waive him, you got to call up Clevin. We talked about this in the last show. 
uh, then you're only saving one million dollars with that replacement because we don't have a seventh d up right now uh so even i don't know like would we really waive Brandstrom? Like, would that be on top of making another trade? Because I can't, I just can't see that happening. I, th I think that would be a little weird. I feel like we need Brandstrom here right now. And I feel like you're, you're, you're going to have to make a trade anyway. So I don't know if there would be much of a point in that. I feel like that's a little bit, a little bit questionable. I hope, I, I hope Dorian isn't really thinking about doing it unless there's some way that it could help get Pinto in, but I don't really think it would be necessary if you are making a trade anyway. But that was an interesting thing that was brought up because I don't think anyone was really expecting that to be a possibility. Um, if Bruce Kariach is still getting direct sources from the organization, it could be something that they're considering. So uh, we'll have to see what happens with that as the Sens try to clear more cap space. Um, I guess I'm a little bit off track about how I was recapping the game, but those were notes that happened at second intermission so that's how i had things written down here um third period i think was was probably the quietest period like made it 5-2 really quickly brady with just uh awesome hands in front of the net able to get his own rebound great great setup by Giroux on that one and then we're kind of just like killing the clock for the rest of the game some uh some more penalties which was frustrating like i said team needs to clean that up but from there like few defensive breakdowns at the end of the game Forsberg had to flash the glove a few times but we'd like to see that you know especially since it was what two goals on nine shots uh at some point in the second period it's like you want to see a little more out of him first goal on the 5-1-3 wasn't his fault second goal it was a pretty nice shot but uh, that's kind of like that goal was kind of like catching a goalie napping um when he's not getting a lot of action so it was, even though you don't want to see those defensive breakdowns, I'm glad that Forsberg uh, got to make some more saves and kind of get into the swing of things in his first appearance of the year. Um, but yeah, from there, we, we shut it down pretty well in the third period. I feel like even if even when the Sens have like a two or three goal lead, I'm always scared of things uh, just going south. I feel like especially with how high scoring the league is now, it can happen to any team just uh, blown leads and, you know, multi-goal comebacks from, from the other side. So luckily we were able to stave that off here tonight. It was all good. So pretty awesome home opener. I, I am very happy with that one. You know, I was, I was a little bit anxious last night. I have to say, I was kind of, honestly, I was having kind of trouble sleeping just because I was so excited for this game. I was like, it's it's kind of a make or break game because if we had somehow blown this, uh, we would be looking at a potential disaster of starting like 0-2 and, and maybe 0-3 tomorrow. But luckily we've avoided that. So I'm very happy with how all of this played out. It was a solid performance against kind of a bottom of the barrel team, but mostly dominant. So that's what you'd like to see. Um, I think from there, I will see, I'll see what people are saying in the chat. Um... Graham points out Shabbat still at 25 minutes ice time for the night. You know, yeah, four minutes more than anyone else. <laughs> I feel like the old habits die hard, and I feel like DJ is just going to keep doing this for a while. Um, Chikrin, it, it's weird that uh, Chikrin had three minutes less. I thought they would have been closer to being more even, but 
I probably would have liked to see Sanderson and Zub a little bit closer to uh, Shabbat and Chicken on the ice time, but uh, especially because both pairings were able to provide some offense tonight. Hopefully Shabbat's minutes do go down a little more, and we see the first and second pairings be evened out more. However, I, I do think today, um, 25 minutes, you know, there was a lot of games where he was playing close to 30 minutes before, so it is technically an improvement, and that's probably much closer to what you want to see uh, your top pairing doing uh, than as opposed to what we were doing before. So, uh, Kelly in the chat also asking, question, are the Sens good or are the Flyers just bad? I, I think it's a, a mix of both here today where we saw the offensive potential from this team and even a bit of the defensive potential in that we were able to limit the Flyers to a low number of shots, although I think part of that is the Flyers' lack of skill up front. It's just kind of a lot of young guys and some grinders and a couple veterans like Couturier. But it's like, it'll be really interesting to play Tampa tomorrow, I think, because you have the cup contender in Carolina who was able to outclass us, and then you have the bottom feeder in the Flyers who we were able to outclass. And then Tampa, I feel like right now, is more our level, or at least the level we're trying to achieve, where you would expect them to be second or third in the division. And uh, they were third last year, right? So we're kind of trying to catch up to them, you know, and get probably into the wildcard spot behind them. So I think Sunday's game is going to be real interesting where we can get a better look at this team of it's a close opponent in terms of that's a team we're going to be chasing this year. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a mix of the Flyers just kind of being a bad team today, and, but also the Sens showing their skill and being able to take advantage of the weaker opponents. So I was happy with that. I was happy that they were able to make this kind of a blowout score in the end and not get it, not let it get too close there as because it was getting a little scary when Cam York scored that goal. But luckily... It worked out all right. All right. And um, JB in the chat saying Chicken should be the one to play on the right side. Let's utilize his shot a lot more. We got to have him hammering those one-timers for sure. Uh, as soon as I saw him uh, rip that shot against Columbus at the, uh, the Pride Night game last year, as soon as I saw that in person, I was like, yep, get this guy on one-timers all the time. So you're totally right. Even Even strength, power play. Just keep him on that right side just so that he can constantly shoot the puck. I think that should be a recipe for success with uh, with Jacob Chikrin. Uh Carl the Man saying, such a good game. Really enjoyed watching it as a neutral fan. Hey, well, thanks for tuning into the stream as a, as a neutral fan too. Love to see that. Hopefully you're entertained here tonight. And uh, obviously the game was very entertaining too. Uh, it was, it, I think that was a very entertaining game for neutral fans because... Again, you got to see the skill of the Sens, but it, it didn't get really to that blowout score until right near the end, or or like the start of the third period, right? So the Flyers were kind of, they were hanging around there the whole time and keeping it interesting. So from a neutral perspective too, I do think it was a pretty good game overall. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It is hard to talk for over 30 minutes. I feel like I'm losing my voice a little bit. So <clears throat> going to skim the chat a little bit more here before I wrap it up. Uh, Christine mentioning Tarasenko's ice time. That is rough. I feel like DJ probably wasn't impressed too much with Tarasenko's camp, and most fans weren't either, but he does pick up those two assists here today, which is encouraging. I'm sure he will always be 
on the power play, at least the second unit. If we ever see him taken off the power play, that's when you know it's really time to panic, uh, because that's that's definitely where we need him. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see more ice time for him at even strength too. Today, it might have also been because of the six penalties taken that he's not going to be out there uh, on the penalty kill. So that's a tough one too. 12 minutes at least of, uh, of penalty kill time with six penalties. So, I mean, they scored on one, so a little bit less. But that's a good chunk of the game there uh, where Tarasenko's not going to see the ice at all. So I think that was a bit of a factor tonight. But it does suck that he had even less ice time than the first game. I do agree. I'm a little worried about that. But I thought he was pretty good tonight, at least offensively. I thought he was a lot more engaged than he was against Carolina. He was keeping up better. I thought he looked a little slow against Carolina. But tonight... He fit in pretty well, I think. So hopefully things will trend upward for him. I think he's probably still got to get the trust of the coaching staff a little bit more. And again, maybe in a, in a game where we take less penalties, I would hope that the ice time would be a little bit uh, a little bit up. Um, also, my co-host Charlie in, in the chat uh, mentioning that that cross-checking call on Stutzel was soft as hell. I agreed with that too. Like I wrote that down right away that it was a soft call. When I saw the replay, I was a little bit more mixed on it. It's like, it technically, it was a cross-checking motion, but the guy fell down so easily. So I could see why Stutzel was mad about that one, especially after the uh, the tripping call, uh, or the non, non-call on the same shift. So I could see why he was frustrated. Uh, John in the chat also saying the owner was on the TSN broadcast as much as Taylor Swift during a Chiefs game. That is really funny. Um, I guess uh, it, it's his home debut. It's it's his first appearance, so I guess it makes sense. I was I was glad to see him interviewed. I like that he's just getting engaged in the community right away. Um, it's it's a little bit hard to sometimes you know ownership groups are just kind of in the background, and I feel like the Sens need a little bit of that in terms of how upfront Melnick was about everything, but I think Anlauer, uh, actually, as Adam says in the chat, has great vibes so far, so I'm happy with that. I think at the very beginning, you got to make yourself visible and endear yourself to the fan base, so I was glad to see him, you know, getting interviewed on TSN and that, and taking pictures of uh, with fans at the game, so I thought that was really cool. From there as well, just a few more comments. Arham Production saying they were also worried about the York goal, <laughs> but that softy by Carter Hart on Brady's first broke it open. Yeah, Carter Hart, uh, I don't know what to think about him. It sucks because we all know he's a really extremely talented goalie, but playing on a bottom feeder, sometimes it gets tough. Like, he's just getting peppered with shots tonight. Uh, Flyers didn't have much sustained pressure throughout the game until the third period. So when when you're under fire that much, eventually some of the goals that go in are gonna are gonna kinda seem like softies. It was it was definitely not his fault here tonight, but uh there's gonna be some nights where he gets hung out to dry like this. But but he is a talented goalie. I I do hope hope the best for him overall. Um Arham also saying they're convinced that Kubalik is the one to trade. And they will keep beating this drum until a trade happens. I kind of want to agree. The only thing is, if I feel like if you were going to trade Kubalik, the smartest thing to do would have been to do it before training camp, before he even has to fly into Ottawa. You know, just tell him, like, okay, we're going to flip you 
we don't have room for you, you know? <laughs> and just, instead of making him come out and do training camp, get settled with a new team and then shipping him off after two games, I feel like that would be pretty rough on the player. They might not want to treat him that way, or and they might also just be convinced that they, they need him on the roster. Um, it, But I do think a lot of fans are just like, oh yeah, that's the obvious choice because we don't really know this guy, we're not really um, endeared to him yet, so let's just get rid of him. But I don't know if the organization would think that way. I think that is a little tough. Um, ideally, ideally, you would kind of just move him on because he he's not fully acclimated to the team yet, and if another team would take him just for any asset, really, it, w- it would kind of be the easy way out, but, but I don't know. It, it could happen. Um, Arham Productions also one more comment from them saying the key tomorrow you got to beat Tampa with that back-to-back because they will have potentially suspect goaltending uh yeah either Jonas Johansson or or Matt Tompkins who has never played in the NHL we'll have to see who starts tonight I don't know if that's been announced yet for Tampa luckily they're also playing back-to-back so if Johansson plays today we might get Tompkins for his first NHL game tomorrow, which would be interesting. Hopefully we don't hand the guy an easy dub. That's that's going to be huge. Like, if you can start 2-1 and one and then really get on a roll here, especially all these games on home ice, it, it could be huge because we've been hammering home that we need this team to have a good start. <laughs> and uh, I guess last comment here, uh, can't control life. If Steve Dangle is holding you hostage, squeeze your nose help <laughs> uh but yeah i think that's where i'm gonna leave it for today it was a awesome home opener the vibes were great i am honestly kind of jealous that i wasn't there today uh, my parents did get to go kind of wish i was going there but it's also fun to come on here and talk about the game too so i'm gonna go to the game tomorrow too hopefully that's another win hopefully i will get to cheer on lots more senators goals in person because uh they were lighting it up tonight the boys the boys are heat so that's gonna do it for today thank you so much everyone for watching or listening if you enjoyed the stream and you're not subscribed to sdpn please do subscribe because we've got plenty more coming shows after every single senators game this season and uh, leave a like on the video if you enjoyed thank you so much for watching